This week's one-off, The West Wing Season 2, Episode 10, Noel. Is there, is there a song that just sets you off in some way? Like, like obviously, I'm not talking about, like, sets you off in a PTSD sort of way, but in general, is there a piece of music that really draws a flood of memories to you? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think there's probably more than one, but off the top of my head, the first one I think of is Sweet Emotion by uh, Aerosmith. You know the song? Could you hum a few bars from it? So it starts with like this, like, you know, like long kind of build. And then the, I mean, I guess the, you'll remember this. Sweet emotion. Talking about the things that nobody cares. You know now? Maybe we should ask the editor to cut in the actual song. <laughs> yeah, so Sweet Emotion is one that gets me, uh, I don't know, it sets me off in like a, like a I can do anything now kind of way. Like it feels like, a, I mean, the first time it, it set me off, I was bowling and I was waiting to, to throw my ball. And I was like, this song isn't right. And I waited. And the next song that came on was Sweet Emotion. I was like, this is a song I can bowl to. And then I got a strike. And so, like, it's kind of this song that, like, gets me in whatever zone <laughs> I need to be in for that moment. It's that that kind of song. It's, it's your bowling song. That was where it started. But now it's like, man, I could put that song on. I could accomplish anything. Uh, what about you? You got one? There are some songs that kind of take me back to being uh, a teenager. So, you know, like... If, if I hear a little bit of Wonderwall. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. Immediately, I'm a teenager again for a couple seconds. Mm. But uh, I would say uh, Van Morrison's Into the Mystic. Oh, okay. Can you hum a little bit of that for us? No, I, I can't. Uh, you, ma- you made me do it. I made you. Well, I know, but you have musical ability and I... I can't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, into the mystic. Cool. You you'd recognize it if you hear. What 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 happens? What happens when you hear it though? Uh, I I really I, I strongly remember some of my family members and that it's kind of one of those somber, thoughtful mm. songs for me. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of songs that kind of transport me through space and time when I hear them. I wouldn't call that setting me off, though. But, like, if I hear anything by the Postal Service. I am all of a sudden walking down Young Street in Toronto with my headphones in on my way to work. Yeah. 
from when I lived in Toronto for a while. And so it just right away, I'm back on the streets of T.O. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not when you say it like that, I don't. <laughs> but yeah, it, it totally transports me uh, across space and time. And same with when I hear the weaker thans, it transports me back to like my early 20s kind of thing. Late afternoon, another day is nearly done. So like, yeah, there's a lot of time travel in, in music, I think. Yeah, I'm... I'm similar with uh, Ani DeFranco. In each other's shadow, we grew less and less tall. Oh, whoa, yeah. Yeah, that, that transports me back to... My, my mom was a big... Uh, I don't know if she was a big Ani DeFranco fan, but I have vivid memories of my mother listening to Ani DeFranco, or, or that's what I associate. And so mm-hmm. she, she kind of takes me back to when I was a wee child in Regina. Ah, Regina. The the China, yeah, the China. <laughs> yeah, no, no, music is uh, is cool like that. I like it. I like that it 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 like I hear Nirvana and I'm I'm back in my bedroom as a teenager. Like it it it's kind of so so yeah. I guess that that I I can relate with music being a uh, as you say a set off and sets you off on something or in some direction that you maybe weren't expecting. Well, and, th- and that was one of the kind of fascinating things about re-watching this episode for me is that music in general is really tricky to place uh, effectively in television and cinema in, in that I-, I tend to prefer to let the actor and the background noises of the scene speak, not because music doesn't really have a place, but because poor music choices can make, can ruin a great work and then make a bad work unbearable. Yeah, and there's also two kinds of music in, in film and TV. Like, there's the, the soundtrack music that the actors don't hear, mm-hmm. that just we, the audience, hear. So the underscore, I don't know how you'd want to, what, what term you prefer. Oh, and then there's, like, the in-scene music, uh, which yeah. I think is sometimes called source music. Right. Which is, like, coming from the scene itself. So, like, like horns, uh, a mm-hmm. horn band playing in the White House is some source music. But then, like, a, you know, a swelling orchestra underneath two people crying is not source music <laughs> well and and this is this is an, an example where i'm not sure there's anything in the episode that isn't source music i think it's all within the scenes themselves yeah the only thing that isn't is, uh, that i noticed was sirens right yeah like you'll hear sirens that are not in that are all coming from uh josh's head so to speak. yeah and then I guess there are times when it's the the like the uh, the the they're flashing back to the frame while Yo Yo Ma is playing, right. and Yo Yo Ma is still playing while they're talking. You know, so like there's some, but it's happening in the flashback, so it's kind of in the scene. You know, there's little moments like that, but for the most part, it's yes. bleeding together. Yeah, as opposed to when they're playing, say, on Grey's Anatomy when. You know, during the montage, they're playing Death Cab for Cutie or something like that. And it I, is in no way related. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know what? Neither do I. I've never <laughs> seen Grey's Anatomy, but I'm just guessing that that's the way that it works. Yeah. Uh, to your point being, anytime there's music, you know where it's coming from. Yeah. Like you, the audience, know the person who's making that music happen. Yeah, and that's not something that's always the case with the West Wing. But in this episode, they've very clearly made a deliberate attempt to 
to have the music be such an important role in this. And so they're very careful with how they use it. The yeah. one exception is after the uh, the cold open, there it goes into the swelling intro credits. Yeah. And, and so the way that they do that is that always builds from within the scene into the intro credits. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, if you're watching this episode for the 10th or 15th time, you're, you're sitting there going, oh yeah, I remember how good they are with music in this. But right off the top, they just throw you into the, the, the West Wing intro music, which is startling, I would say. That music mm-hmm. is... Yeah, definitely. Especially, I mean, th- this was a show that was designed for TV. And so when you finish the episode, it immediately throws you into the credits. And again, that swelling West Wing theme orchestra. And it's it's usually such a strange mood to end an episode on. Yeah, because the episodes don't end happy. They end kind of like bittersweet most of the time or with a compromise of some sort. Yeah, and so that's okay if there's been a commercial break between the two, but when you're going straight from one to the next, it is uh, odd. Yeah. Yeah, I love the progression of music in this. That was the thing that caught me this time through. Uh, The progression from, like, horns to bagpipes. And then to, like... I don't know, wind instruments, like oboes and stuff. Uh, to, to Yo-Yo Ma. And then to Carolers. Yeah. Outside. And like kind of that progression, uh, like because it kind of, I mean, horns is the most annoying music ever. If it's just a whole bunch of people playing horns, yes. <laughs> okay, maybe you're right. But horns is like super uh, annoying and obnoxious, right? It's like loud. You cannot quietly have a horn group play. Right. So it's like really loud and disturbing and, and intrusive. Uh, and then bagpipes is equally loud and uh, some would argue annoying. But there's something nice about bagpipes. But still, it's annoying. Uh, and then it's sl- it, but it, it slowly gets less and less annoying as it goes on, right? And it goes into like the winds, which are a little calmer, and then the strings, which are like nice and and soothing, and then the the carolers, which is beautiful. Yeah, so it kind of gives like this this. Uh, to me, it kind of it, it mirrors the uh, the frame narrative, the frame of of him in therapy, is kind of being mirrored through the music. At first, it's really brash, and then it's like you know annoying, and then it's starts to calm down and he gets into it and that is beautiful hmm. Hmm. yeah that's a, that's a good way of putting this episode is that it, it is really informed in that way by the music as well and the music is telling the story as much as the scene work is in in that way yeah hmm. uh, so i was going to ask you are you like i, I mean I know, I know my answer to this but are you a christmas episode fan no not not at all. I was I was trying to think of a Christmas episode of something that I I thought was noteworthy or worthwhile to um, 
to kind of bring up as a counterpoint to this episode or as a as an example and i couldn't think of anything and and so maybe it's not fair to say i'm not a fan of christmas episodes but christmas episodes tend to i don't know disappear into the ether for me cuz they're they're usually i mean they're usually not good they're usually not important story wise they're a throwaway week and so uh, I tend not to think highly of them. Okay, interesting. I love Christmas episodes. I, I know you do. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. But you are right in that if you were to ask me what my favorite episode of any television show is, and like get, list, name a television show and ask me for my favorite episode, the Christmas episode would not be my favorite episode. Yeah. The only one that's maybe an exception is season one of Community. Whoa! What's that sound? Is that the tippy-tapping of secular boots on the roof? When Jeff fights the bully. It's the only one that's close, but then again, it's not a Christmas episode. It's December 10th. Uh, so, like, yeah, but I, I love Christmas episodes because, uh, especially in dramas... Because it's a moment for them to be like, okay, let's just take a breather from the dramatic for a second and just have a Christmas episode. Which is what is so fascinating about this episode is that they don't do that. They do a Christmas episode that is still as dramatic as, if not more dramatic than the rest of the season. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. As far as Christmas episodes go, this one takes the drama and and amps it up. Yeah, I mean, it's my second favorite West Wing Christmas episode. <laughs> <What's>... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> You're a weird, weird, weird man. You know what my favorite one is, though, right? What's your favorite one? You, you know, guess. What's the other West Wing Christmas episode that I will have... Uh, that I would love? Well, that's that's the thing. Like, I'm thinking of the Christmas episode where the the whole Bartlett clan is coming to the White House, and there's a <laughs> no, which that's I, not it. I know, I know that's not yours. So that's why I'm. What what's your favorite Christmas episode from The West Wing? Uh, it's uh, I believe it's called In Excelsis Deo. Right. Okay. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Is that what, is that what it's called? The season one uh, episode. Is that a Christmas episode? Yeah, it happens over Christmas. Well, I guess so. And they go like Christmas shopping with Bartlett for books or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Mandy wants to do press. Remember Mandy? That's my favorite one. That's my favorite one. And Toby does the funeral for the veteran. Yeah, from the yeah. War. Yeah. No, I, I, I. Why is that your favorite? What's good it, about that? One? I ball every time I watch that episode. Oh, it's a Die Hard for you. It's it's the it's the yeah it's like Die Hard. I just cry at the end. It just gets me. The the this idea of Toby. Go finding this this military vet and giving him this fancy funeral, even though he's just a homeless guy. Like that that whole idea of like honoring this guy, it's just it gets me. It gets me every time. And this episode's my second favorite Christmas episode <laughs> of the West Wing. <laughs> well, what I what I love about this episode is that it takes the holiday season and integrates it in such a way that is a essential to the plot. Like this. The way that they've done this, it would be almost impossible to pull off outside of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's that's not an excuse for them to pull any punches. This is 
one of the hardest episodes of the entire series, I would say. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the way that it brings those two things together, I mean, this is an episode that I will happily watch outside of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. but definitely also belongs in the holiday season wonderfully. Yeah, unlike unlike Castle, where any Castle Christmas episode watching outside of Christmas is weird. Yeah. Because yeah. Santa Claus dies, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, so that was something I was going to ask you about, So or, or bring up, was this idea of, of juxtaposing trauma and Christmas. Yeah. Which is what this episode does, and which is, uh, I mean... Like Shane Black probably loves this episode of television because it perfectly shows the darkness of Christmas. <laughs> but also this idea of like, because originally when I wrote this note, I was like, juxtaposing trauma and Christmas. And then I went, or is it, question mark? Is it really juxtaposing or is Christmas just kind of a traumatic time for people? Because like, yeah, like, like, is it a juxtaposition or is it just a straight up exploration of Christmas? Well, and, and what's fascinating about this is that the, the prominent, uh, prominent characters in this, I mean, you've, you've got uh, Josh and you have Leo are, are both uh, practicing Jews and they yeah. don't celebrate Christmas. So is Toby. Yeah, but Toby, Toby's more of a background figure in this, True, in this yeah. episode. Whereas Leo is going out of his way to protect and care for Josh. Mm -hmm. And and so it's this, during this season, that for lots of people, as Toby kind of puts it, is supposed to be full of love and joy and, and cheer. Um, it's, for these two men, an exploration of their... For, for Leo, his alcoholism and addiction, and and for Josh, his PTSD in the wake of getting shot. <laughs> and, and you're right, there's a way in which it seems like they're juxtaposing two very different things here. Uh, but I think at the same time, you're, you're right to point out that, no, the holidays can be a, a traumatic time for, for people. And so is, is this really just restating the trauma of the holidays and i think that's a good question yeah like is is uh i mean not that ptsd is is something that uh i i i i, I mean i won't speak for you but i've never had to deal with yeah. uh so like you know not on that scale but on a smaller scale of just like the holidays being a difficult time for people that i think rings true with just about everybody mm -hmm. like one like people are more likely to commit suicide over the holidays a lot of people just happen to die after the holidays because it's cold and it's winter. Uh, so old people pass away shortly after Christmas. And so, like, people have memories of Christmas that are bittersweet. Mm -hmm. You know, they're sweet because it's Christmas and it's family and it's it's lovely. But then it's bitter because there's often bad things happening. Or when you finally put your family back together after a year of not seeing each other, uh, things uh, bubble up and all the past baggage comes out. And like, I mean, I don't know what you what your holiday traditions are. But I think a lot of people have a tradition of escaping their family. You know, like you go to Seven Eleven, or you uh, you play video games all, all Christmas. Like you have a tradition that involves being near your family, but not actually having to talk to them. Yeah, well, it's and in in some ways, I think the way that you've you've pinpointed it, like it's it's a time of coming together after being apart for for a long year, and I think this is 
maybe even more more noticeable in Canada, right? Where Thanksgiving, there's more distance between Thanksgiving and and Christmas, and in Canada, Thanksgiving is not the same event that it seems to be in the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who travels. You know, I don't know any families that really like travel across the country to gather for Thanksgiving in Canada. Yeah, we don't go on like these giant pilgrimages to our family. Yeah, like there's no no national lampoons Thanksgiving vacation. No, especially in Canada. So, so yeah, it 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 does make the holiday season a, a different kind of well, and it's stressful, right? You're you're out shopping, you're out getting gifts. You're even if you're trying to do the things you do on a day to day basis, it's just busier. Yeah, the world is more chaotic. There's snow on the ground. It's harder to drive. It's just a little more stressful all around. So it's like this. This yeah, the holiday seasons are bitter and sweet. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a fruitcake. Um, fruitcake fruit fruit is fruitcake's never bitter. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're making fruitcake incorrectly uh, if it's at all bitter. I'm making it wrong. <laughs> um. <laughs> So uh, the, the other thing we have to talk about before we, we break here is we can't we can't not talk about Sorkin. What? Who's he? Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. He he wrote The West Wing. What what, what are you talking about specifically? Uh, I mean, just like it's it's fun. It's been a while since I watched any Sorkin, and so <laughs> it was like immediately noticeable how many walking shots there were. Of people walking down hallways talking to each other. And yeah. and, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you did you experience that? When was the last time you watched Sorkin? Um, I probably... That's a good question. Um, it's been a little while, a couple months for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I fall back into Sorkin pretty regularly because mm-hmm. he is my favorite television writer by far, so... Yeah, uh, I like to return to him when I when I'm struggling with my own writing. Yeah, but yeah, that was I, I just was like, oh yeah, they walk all the time in this show. I forgot about that. Lots of walking, lots of talking. Yeah, and then the the brilliant sort of back and forth tennis match of every conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whole uh, what what's the line? It's um, I'm not the paper boy either. You know, right at the beginning of this this episode. Let's start again. You gonna lie to me this time? Nope. You gonna lie to me? Haven't yet. Really? Yeah. How did you cut your hand? You're not talking to the paper boy either, Josh. That whole back and forth, I was like, oh yeah, Sorkin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's that sing song dialogue that, that comes across so well. Mm-hmm. One of the things about this episode for me that is really striking, and I won't ask this as a question because you don't have to answer, but so I've done I, I've done therapy a couple of times, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. Uh, I've always struggled with it in in some ways precisely for the same reason that Josh does because it's clear that when Josh is there, his purpose isn't to get better. His purpose is to win. Yeah, to win whatever's happening. <laughs> yeah, and and so he's trying to win at therapy, and and so that's the reason why it almost never works out for me, and then I give up because uh, either I have one and 
and and have just walked away from it or you recognize that you're trying to do something that is uh contrary to the entire experience and you're like yeah this is maybe a waste of everyone's time <laughs> this isn't gonna work i'm being way too confrontational <laughs> yeah this, this doesn't help anyone whatsoever yeah and, it's, and so it was funny watching this and seeing oh yeah no, that's that's definitely an experience that i can uh, i can appreciate i would guess that sorkin has done the same thing with his own attempts at therapy hmm. yeah totally hmm. yeah well, and, you know, knowing some of Sorkin's background, you know, his his combination of being a, a Josh and a Leo with his own addiction problems and his own difficult relationships. I mean, you know, it's it's entirely plausible that much of this episode is very real for Sorkin, even yeah. if he has never been uh, shot. I don't think he has. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I think I would have known that. Cool. So uh, last question for you then before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. I mean, by far, Carol of the Bells is the creepiest Christmas Carol ever written. <laughs> it has the most terrifying, like, ominous sounds to it. A lot of ringing bells, ding dong, ding dong, uh, and this really epic sort of tone to it that's just like in your face. So, definitely one of the, the creepiest Christmas Carols ever written. What is second place for creepy Christmas Carols, in your opinion? Like, if they were to end this episode with another Christmas carol, that would make that last moment of him watching carolers and hearing sirens as powerful. What song could they have used, do you think? Hmm. I, had, I don't have an answer to this yet. I'm thinking just right now as well. But I, I just want to know what your thought is. Well, what's the... Um, Baby, It's Cold Outside? <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't Baby, It's Cold Outside essentially a, a Christmas carol from a guy who... His, clearly, it's written from the perspective of an ex-boyfriend who, uh, who won't be who who she she won't let in. <laughs> like, isn't isn't that the whole? Um, no, that, you're not so. No, that's not what it's written from that perspective at all. <laughs> let alone clearly. Uh, baby, it's cold outside. Is is a woman is at a guy's house. And she's going to leave. And he says, but it's cold outside. Why don't you stay for another drink? And he's trying to convince her to stay. Uh, so it's just as creepy. But it's not It's not that he's like at her house trying to get in and she's telling him to go. Okay, what's the one that I'm thinking of? Because there's definitely one that's like a creepy sort of... <laughs> no, you're thinking, baby, it's cold outside. It is definitely kind of like has like a, a, uh, a, a date rapey vibe to it. <laughs> Famously, it does. Fam- infamously, it does. Say what's in this drink? Okay, but I've just incorrectly. Yeah, you've just you've just switched it in your head so that he's like breaking into her house, which is a little more on the nose. <laughs> okay, may- maybe I haven't heard the song. In a while. Yeah. Well, so that's your answer. Baby, it's cold outside. If like at the end of this episode, Josh is sitting there watching these people sing, "Baby, it's cold outside." <laughs> I really can't stay, baby, it's cold outside. That song? That's the creepy one? (laughs) Well, now you've made me feel self-conscious about my choice. (laughs) Yeah, mm -hmm. you should. You should. (laughs) My choice, I think, would be uh, the the Three Kings. The the We Three Kings of Oriental. Yeah? Why is that creepy? It's terrifying. A 
Especially when you get into the verses, it's really terrifying. Like the final verse is like, myrrh I bring its bitter perfume, uh, brings a life of gathering gloom. It's, 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 uh, it's like about death. It's like right about a death. Breathing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a cold stone tomb. They say that line. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's, it's a, We we Three Kings is kind of about a, a, a different kind of Christmas song. It's a different kind of Christmas song. <laughs> I know, but it would be, but I think if they replaced that last Carol of the Bells with anything and then they did it with We Three Kings, it might have been still as creepy. Not, okay, not as creepy, but it would have been like pretty close to creepy. Because it's a creepy Christmas song. It's terrifying. And and then it all of a sudden goes in like, oh, star of wonder, star of light, and gets really positive all of a sudden after they talk about death. It's weird. I, I, I mean, I I can't even, I, I can't say that I had even thought that Carol of the Bells was a creepy uh, Christmas tune. So uh, you might be on your own on this one. What? You don't think it sounds scary? Uh, I mean, I think I think it has... I mean, I, I mean, I think if you're looking for a Christmas song that is 100% positive, you're right. It's not 100% positive, but it's, I, I think it, that's quite a leap to say that it's creepy. Everyone listening right now knows that I'm right. You can't just say that. You can't decide what the <laughs> I just said audience has, <laughs> feels. I just said it and I decided. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, no, no, it's a it's a solid little uh, West Wing outing, and uh, and one of the actually yeah one of the things that I love about it is uh, again watching a lot of Netflix TV. I'm not used to the kind of the previously on uh, style of television, hmm. and it's hard to pull off a, a good previously. Like something that speaks to the stories they're going to tell this time, fills you in on the characters a little bit, uh, and and gives you a very good opening to what you're going to see without giving too much information. Uh, and this one actually pulled it off great. Like it, you're immediately transported to exactly where you need to be to understand what Josh's relationship to this Stanley fellow is going to be. I thought, I thought that it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, they do really good previously on in the West Wing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and set you right right in the right tone. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, um, as they say, Joyeux Noel. It's it's June, Dave. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> No one knows that. <laughs> Next week's one-off, Black Mirror, Season 1, Episode 3, The Entire History of You. <laughs>